0: Welcome to the Revolution Podcast. We're the high school ministry at the Church at Rocky Peak, and we'd love for you to join us in person on Saturday nights at 5.30. For more info about the ministry and upcoming events, find us on Instagram at HSRevolution. We hope you enjoy this time of teaching from God's Word. How's it going? My name is Tim. I'm our high school pastor. I'm excited that you're here. We've got some cool stuff planned tonight. Uh, I just want to highlight what, uh, what the announcement team was talking about. Uh, really, two things. One, there's no way ham is better than turkey. Absolutely not. Uh, sorry, Ricky. Definitely thumbs down on the ham. But that's fine. You know, to each their own. That's great. Turkey is great. Turkey is—it's like good for you, and it tastes good. Uh, the other thing that I want to highlight is that we do have winter camp coming up, and winter camp is going to be amazing. Uh, I just want you guys to know, like the the point that we are at with signups is going faster than like. Almost every other camp signups that I've seen, other than this last summer, which was like on par with this. And so, this last summer, we filled up and couldn't take everybody that wanted to go. So, make sure you get on the list for winter camp. I want you to be able to be there, especially if you want to be there. And, like what Reed was talking about, like we don't want money to be the thing that holds you back. And so, if you know that's going to be the thing that's going to make it difficult for you to go, please reach out to us. You can either Sign up with Just a Deposit and put in the information for a scholarship, or you can just email me and let me know what's going on that makes that like difficult, and we'll see what we can do. Uh, there have been a lot of times we've been able to get people up to winter camp who thought there was no shot. And so if that's you, please reach out. We definitely don't want to leave you behind just because money is a thing. Uh, that said, we're going to jump into our time of teaching. Uh, we're going to jump into the middle of this series that we started last week uh, and get going. So if you would bow your heads with me, I'm going to pray for us as we... Uh, Jump into this time. Jesus, I thank you. God, I just thank you that you want to have a relationship with us. Uh, that you, you could have created everything, set it in motion, and stayed back. Uh, you could have seen us in our imperfection and our rebellion, and you could have uh, just wanted nothing to do with us. You could have chosen to remove us from the face of the earth. You could have just left us alone, but instead you came down to join us, to be with us, to die in our place so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could be connected with you. I pray that today, that through our time of teaching, that not just our knowledge would be furthered, God, but that our relationship with you would grow, that we would grow closer to you while we're here, and that we would take the things uh, that we look at and learn and practice today into our daily life, that we would practice having a relationship with you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. I forgot my iPad, and so um, I'm using the laptop, old school style today. There is nothing different about today's message that needs the laptop. I just, the last time I tried printing my notes, they were unreadable. So here we go. Uh, Hey, so when I was just about your guys' age, right after high school, when I was 18, I jumped into serving in wildlife. How many of you guys uh, have been involved in wildlife while you've been here at the church, in our middle school ministry? a handful of you any good memories from there yeah that's great. You guys, It's quiet in here. Just, wildlife is a great place to serve. It's so much fun. It's actually, serving in wildlife is a great reason to stay local uh, for your college stuff. To do a couple years at Park, to do a couple years, at, Moorpark, a couple years at, at Pierce or College of the Canyons uh, before transferring to a four-year university. Uh, staying local and being able to serve, especially having the opportunity to serve in a ministry like that, is incredibly fun. I loved serving in that ministry. I loved getting to be elected group leader for 6th and 7th and 8th graders, I made a ton of mistakes that I've been able to not replicate in my time with high school students. Uh, It was a great time, and I, I distinctly remember back to the very first time I was ever a camp staff person. It was at a wildlife winter camp which probably most of you guys have not been on because they don't do a winter camp anymore. You never know when things might come back. But we used to do a winter camp for wildlife in addition to a summer camp. And so I was up there. We were up on the mountain, and it... It was a tough camp. I got to tell you, I know most of you have only experienced camp from the side of a student going up, which is a blast. It is fun. It is relaxing. It is an exciting thing. Uh, Going up and being staff is a totally different thing. There's a different shift that happens when you go from just going to go up there and be there by yourself versus being in charge of making sure other people don't die. And I was there with sixth grade boys trying to make sure they don't die, which is tough. This is the year that my cabin got in a fight with another cabin that was up there because one kid was feeding another kid things in Spanish that were inappropriate to yell at the inner city cabin that was across the way. And the other kid was just yelling them without even thinking about it. And there was almost a fight that happened. That was super fun. It was also the cabin where during one of the quiet times, uh, I'm trying to lead it, one of the kids gets up and he's like, I'm going to the bathroom. And I was like, bro, we've got like five minutes left. Can you just sit down? He's like, no, I really got to go. I was like, "Just sit back down. We're almost done." So he farted in my face. Um, It was the cabin where I didn't get a ton of sleep because uh, little Joshy's mom decided to send him with a duffel bag full of like candy and soda up to camp. And when I when I say duffel bag, I mean like duffel bag full of candy. And his name is actually Josh, and he's a parent now, and I can't even believe that. Uh, And so. There was no sleep happening. He's passing out sugar to everybody. Sixth graders are bouncing off the walls. It was absolutely insane. It was chaos. I couldn't. I didn't have a moment to myself. And that's when I discovered one of the keys to surviving camp as a staff person. One of the keys to why are my staff going like this in the? What is? That's not the key to surviving. <laughs> We've got something to talk about, okay? Um, one of the keys to surviving camp as a staff person was finding the secluded bathroom. The staff in here know what I'm talking about. There's nothing quite like having a chaotic camp, trying to keep sixth grade boys alive while they try desperately to not be alive, trying to hold everything together, and then having that, that one quiet moment to yourself in the bathroom when no one else is there meeting with the Lord, and also taking care of business. There's nothing like that moment. You have to have those moments where you're able to stop and to be still. And so I would take a hike to the secluded bathroom so that no weird middle schooler was barging in on me while I was having to do what I had to do. And so there, there are those times in our life where things are so wild and crazy that we have to stop and pause and put things, put the brakes on in order to, to let our minds focus and stop in the middle of the chaos that's going on. Most of you guys haven't had the chance yet to go up to a camp and be in charge of other people's lives. Some of you guys have served in VBS, and so you know how hectic that can be. Uh, some of you guys might have gone up with fourth and fifth grade to help out with one of those camps. And some of you guys might have that in your future But regardless of whether you've been to a camp as a staff person before, you know what it's like to have a crazy life. You know what it's like to have a a hectic life where you feel like you're running constantly and people want your attention and things need to get done and it feels like you don't have a moment to stop and think. And when we get to those moments, oftentimes what we need most is to be able to find some space to be able to pause Whether it's a secluded bathroom or a closet or just a little moment in the car, we need We need a point to stop and to reassess and to connect with what's most important, to remember why it is that we're doing what we're doing, to even just take a breath and to rest. We talked about last week how God has designed us to be people who pause, that we need to pause when life gets busy, and yet when life gets busy is when we are the least likely to take that time. That when we need it most is often when we take it the least. A lot of us are really hectic. We're running around constantly. We're trying to get things done and we know what we would like to have, which is a moment to pause. But that's exactly when we don't take it. And so Today, I want to talk a little bit about continuing to look at this idea of pausing, of stopping, and how God has designed us to be people who are able to to rest, who need to rest, who need to stop when life is busy and crazy and hectic and loud, and to reconnect to who's most important. So last week, we looked at all those different ways that, that God has kind of shown us that he's made us to do that, Right? When we talked about how even God, who doesn't need to rest after he finished creation on the, the seventh day, that it says that God rested, not because he was exhausted, but as a symbol that everything that needed to happen had happened. That everything that needed to be created had been created. And that he was able to stop in that peace and to enjoy it. And that becomes an example to us. But we have an even clearer example in Jesus. On your note sheets, there's a fill-in there. And it's just this simple. It just says that Jesus needed to pause. That Jesus Needed to pause. We talked about how God has made us to be people who pause, but Jesus himself needed to pause. There are a couple of examples. The first one is actually going to be wrong on the slides, and so we're not going to show it because I accidentally put Mark 6 instead of Luke 6. Uh, And so you can scratch out where it says Mark 6. 12 to 13, and you can put Luke 6, 12 to 13, which says this, talking about uh, Jesus. He says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them who he designated as apostles. And so Jesus had a bunch of people who were following him, who were interested in his teaching, but he knew that he was called on a, to do something really important, which was to pick 12 of them as representatives, even kind of in a way representing the 12 tribes of Israel, that they were going to be his core group of guys who were going to be following him for three years, learning from him so that when he was no longer there physically, that they could go on and carry on his work. And that was a big deal. That was going to be a big decision. Uh, Imagine... right, his ministry is starting. Everybody wants his attention. Everybody wants to talk to him. He's got this pressing decision. And so what he decides to do is he decides to put things on pause and go spend time with the Father before making that decision. Then he comes back and he picks the 12 who would be his, who we think of as the 12 disciples, the 12 who were with him for that entire time of ministry. Then there's another moment in Matthew chapter 14 after feeding the 5000 right so there's just been this amazing miracle that's happened people have come out to hear him teach because his teaching is just so radical and so fresh and so new and they can tell there's there's something different about Jesus than the other teachers that they've heard in their life. And so they're out there and then everyone realizes they don't have food. And so Jesus uses this one kid's lunch to provide food for a massive crowd. And so you can imagine how much people want his attention in that moment, right? He's just done this amazing miracle. If there's someone who's provided me with food, even if it wasn't miraculous, I usually just want to like spend some time with them because I love when people feed me. Uh, and so the, like, there's people everywhere who want to get, get time with Jesus. And so this is what he does in Matthew 14, 22 and 23. I'm going to put it up on the screen because this, this one I got right. It says, immediately, right? So right after feeding the 5,000, immediately Jesus made the disciples, that's those 12 guys that he picked, get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And so Jesus feeds the people at the side of the Sea of Galilee, and then he he sends everybody home, which I'm sure was not a fast process. People probably wanted to talk to him. People probably, probably wanted to get his Instagram handle so they could Instagram him later. They wanted to like get, get as much connected with him as they could, and so he sends them all away eventually. And then Instead of hopping right on the boat with his guys, who I'm sure his 12 guys had some questions for him. Like, where did you pull that bread out of? Like, what the heck happened? How were there 12 extra baskets after all of that? And so instead of hopping right in with them and using it as a teaching moment, he sends them ahead and he goes up to spend time alone because it was crazy and it was hectic and he needed to pause and be with the father. We see it in other times. We see it in Luke 9, uh, where he takes a couple of his guys with him to go up and pray. We see it in Matthew 26, before he's to be arrested and executed. And he knows that that's coming. He decides to take his whole group up on the mountain with him to spend time in prayer. Jesus made it a habit of spending time pausing during very busy, crazy, crazy times. He did 30 years of his life preparing for three years of ministry. And you can imagine, knowing that he was going to have only three years to get done what he came to get done, that there was plenty on his plate. That this was plenty of reason to be like, you know what? I've spent this 30 years of my life connecting with the Father and learning Scripture, and then these three years, I'm going to get stuff done. And yet during those three years, as much as any other time in his life, he would regularly stop and pause and connect with God, so that he was able to carry on what he was called to do. The God of the universe became one of us with the same kinds of needs that we have. Like we talked about, God rested after creation, but not because he was tired, but because it was done. God doesn't have a need for rest. God doesn't need to sleep. But Jesus— was in a body like you and me. The Bible would say that he, he took on flesh like us, right? He, he came and he had a real human existence and life. And in his perfection, as the only perfect person to have ever lived, right, he's just as able as getting exhausted as you and me. And I, I don't know, but I bet you there's probably a couple of us in this room who need to be reminded that being tired And needing to stop and pause isn't a sign of imperfection. It's not a sign of sin or something that's wrong with you that makes you lesser than others. It's a reminder that you need something, you need someone bigger than yourself and your circumstances. That God has literally designed us to spend time in rest and sleeping. And when he came as one of us, he regularly practiced Pausing all the stuff that there was to do to just go up and be in the presence of the Father. And so tonight, we're going to practice pausing to be with God. Because it's important to know that it's a good thing. It's important to know that it's a necessary thing. It's important to think of it as an essential thing. Knowing those things is great. Knowing that Jesus did it is great. Knowing that we're built for that is great. Uh, We could pull out some of the research like we did last week to talk about how stopping and pausing regularly in our life literally makes us better at the things that we're trying to do. Um, And knowledge is really helpful experiencing and practicing are the only ways that we're going to get better at this. We can know that it's good to spend time with God. We can know that it's good to stop and pause and rest and reflect and think. But practicing it is where we actually get better at it. Practicing it is where we start to believe it. Because it's when we put it into practice and we maybe struggle through those moments of silence or where we struggle through really setting some time aside and stopping the whirlwind of craziness that's all around us. It's there that we really start to notice how beneficial and how restful and relaxing even stopping for 10 minutes can be. And so today, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to stop for 10 minutes just to reflect on Eight verses on one psalm. We were talking about how the the name for the series Pause comes from a word that shows up in the psalms, Selah, which is a a word in Hebrew that functions in the psalms as a moment to pause and stop. Scholars' best idea of what that word means is to stop, to pause, to wait. And so it it comes up in the psalms as a chance for us to, to do exactly that. To read a couple of the lines and then stop and let those sink in. Instead of just reading through it real quickly, instead of just zipping through, instead pausing to reflect, because we're people who are created to pause and not just jam through the things that we're reading and not just rip through our time with God. It's designed to be something where there's an element of peace and stillness in it. And man, that's so hard to get those points of stillness and rest in our lives in today's world. And so today, that's exactly what we're going to do. You have a sheet there that's in front of you that has Psalm uh, 4 on it. Uh, On there, there should be marked uh, a couple points in the passage where it says, "say law," where it says, pause, uh, after verse 2, after verse 4, and at the end. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you guys 10 minutes to just spread around the room and spend some time reading that. And like we talked about last week, man, if if you're a follower of Jesus, this is a time to connect with God and let him speak to you through this word. Read it through a couple of times. Pause in those moments. When you get to the end of it, it's only eight verses. If you've read it a couple times, then just sit and be present with him. Think about the things that the psalm brings up. Be remembered of his love and his care for you. Be reminded of the things that Jesus did in order to have a relationship with you. And take these 10 minutes to reconnect with him. If you're here and maybe you're not sure yet about this Jesus thing, you're still exploring it, you're not sure if that's who you want to follow, you're not sure if he's real, just take these 10 minutes as a time when no one has any expectations on you. No one has anything on your plate. You don't, there's nothing that needs to get done. No one's going to come looking for you. This is just 10 minutes to just stop and be. Don't take the phone out. This isn't the time to jump into responding to a text or jumping into to your social media account. This isn't just a moment that that's just a here to be filled with whatever is at hand. This is a moment to just rest and stop. And then we'll come back together in a few minutes and talk about what that was like for us. And so take a spot around the room as soon as I'm done praying. uh, You can go to the back and go behind the curtain. You can go around the little steps over here, wherever it is you want to find. But move around, make yourself comfortable, find something, uh, a place where you can stop and be. Jesus, we pray that you would meet us during this time, that you would be present with us that you would speak into our lives and direct us through this time in your word. We pray that we would get to experience the goodness of stopping and being with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you're around the room, you can come back and join us. You can retake your seat. Um, While we're doing that, I would love to hear from a few of you of kind of what stood out to you during this time. It could be something uh, that got highlighted for you in the passage. It could be something that stood out for your own life. It could be a question that popped up because it's also important to be able to have those questions. A lot of times if we don't stop and pause, uh, the important questions that should be occurring to us uh, don't pop up. Uh, And so I'd love to know from just a handful of you uh, kind of what stuck out during this time. Ricky? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally resonate with that. I don't get a ton of that time either. And I think a lot of times when we do have time that we could have that's peaceful time, we pull out our phone and entertain ourselves instead because we're so afraid of being bored that we don't stop and pause. I do that all the time. A couple more. Yeah, that's huge. I think you're totally right. Like we spend all sorts of time looking for things that will fill a hole in our heart. Uh, and then those of us with a relationship with Jesus, when we stop and pause, we remember like, oh, wait, I've, I've already actually found the person who can supply what I need, but I'm too busy looking other places to remember that. Um, I want to share with you one thing that stuck out to, to me real quickly. Um, Where'd it go? In verse 6, he's talking about, hey— many, Lord, are asking who will bring us prosperity, right? So that's that idea that a few of us have keyed on, in on is that a lot of times we're spending time in our life looking around for like, where can I get what's good? What's going to bring me what's good? Who, what authority should I listen to? What school should I go to? What classes should I take? What team should I be on? What relationship should I invest in? What's going to lead to prosperity? Uh, and then you get in the second part of the verse, you get David's answer. He says, let the light of your face shine on us right? which is a, a really Old Testament way of saying, God would we have a relationship with you right if you think about like you're in the same room with someone versus when you're in a conversation where their face is like is to you and pointed at you the, the idea is God would we have a relationship where we're seeing each other face to face and then that's where in the next verse he's like, God would you fill my heart with joy when they have their their grain and new wine, right? When they have all the riches and they have all the stuff, God, would you be what fills my heart with joy? And so the real simple fill-in that I had there uh, that's there on your note sheet is that when we pause, we remember that a relationship with God is greater than riches and prosperity, right? That, uh, That really being connected to the creator of the universe, the one that everything good flows from is better than just having a pile of good stuff. And a lot of times we'll spend our energy chasing the stuff instead of chasing the source of what's good. But when we pause and stop and really look at our actions and think about our motives and focus on what we know is true about Jesus and about God, it can cause us to kind of put the brakes on and ask the question, hey, is everything that I'm filling my schedule with and my time with, is that really the good stuff that I should be chasing? Or is it just the good stuff that seems at the time, that's at hand, that's right here instead of the best stuff? And then there's just a question there for you to consider. Uh, a question I think that's important for all of us to look at, because we can talk about and we can practice pausing, um, but if we don't set time aside for it, it just doesn't happen. And so the question is just this, when will you pause? When will you pause? And that's a question that only you can answer for yourself, that only you can really look at your life and really look at your schedule and really figure out a time when you could pause, because God wants to meet with you. God's word makes it really clear in John three sixteen that the reason Jesus came is so that you could be connected with him. It says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish, won't die, but will have eternal life. And then Jesus defines what eternal life is. He talks about it not only as not never ending life, but also a life of incredible depth, and importance. And he defines it in John 17 when he says, now this is eternal life, that they, that's us, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That the new life that Jesus came to give us at its core is about a relationship that's connected to him. A lot of us in this room have accepted the free forgiveness from Jesus and want to experience the life that he's given us and yet we take for granted the access that we have to God of relationship with him and that at the core that that is what Jesus says that's what life is all about is being connected to the source of life in this world being connected to God and so what we have to do is we have to pick a time when we're going to pause. And maybe that time is a different, a different time on different days. Maybe your schedule shifts around all the time. Maybe you, can, you know, looking at your life, there's only really a couple of options that you have that are reasonable times to stop and to pause, to take 10 minutes out of your day and to reflect and think about what's going on, pray a little bit, read a little bit of the Bible. But it, it, it's important that we pick a time where we're able to give God our best. Our best, as best as we have it. So for some of you, you're at your best early in the morning. That's not me. For some of you, you're at your best late at night. That's much more where I'm at. Uh, some of you, it's in the middle of the afternoon. It's like those few moments when you get back from school, right? And you're like, this is that, that moment of like freedom before I take out the homework while I'm still eating my whatever the snack is that I'm sitting down with. Uh, what is a time when you're sharp, you're aware, as much as any of us are where we can stop and give Jesus our time. Because if we know we're terrible in the morning and we try to give Jesus morning time, it might not work out. If we know that we're people who just fall asleep in the middle of reading, in the middle of homework, in the middle of TV, and we try to do it at the end of the day, we're going to fall asleep in the middle of it. And so if we want to set time aside for God, we want to make sure that we give him our best time. It also needs to be time without your phone or outside distractions to the best of your ability. For some of you, your houses aren't always distraction free. And so maybe it's in the car right before school. Maybe it's uh, the moment before you get picked up from school because that's when the distractions are at their best, but or at their least. Um, but I would absolutely suggest if you're going to stop and really pause, right? It's, Really handy to read your Bible on your phone. And some of us use that for Bible plans. And some of us will just turn it on airplane mode, turn off all notifications, and we're able to zone out in that. But I would suggest for the majority of us, our phone is such a source of distraction in our regular everyday life. It's like that thing we do, as soon as you have five seconds of nothing going on in your life, your phone comes out and that's the thing that we're all diving into. I suggest if you really want to pause and have these moments of quiet in your life, just throw the phone to the other side of the room. For 10 minutes. Put, set the timer. Just toss it aside. Onto like a soft surface or something. But like, like t- toss it to the side and just let it be there. Have a few moments without being connected to other people. Without anyone wanting your time and your attention. Without your social media account alerting you. Like hey there's a thing that you could do right now. A person liked this post. A person liked your post. A person didn't like your post. Whatever. The thing, just toss it to the side for 10 minutes. And let it be quiet. Pick a time that's realistic right? If you're like, I'm at Ben Best in the morning, but my mornings are really early, and so I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. every day and spend time with God, like, that's going to last maybe two days in a row. Um, for most of us, like set a, set a time that's realistic. If you're like, okay, it's going you know, to be right after dinner. That's what I'm going to do it every time. But like your family usually wants your attention right after dinner. Like that, that's not going to be realistic. Or like five nights a week, you're busy with things in the middle of the evening. Like setting it in the evening isn't going to be realistic. Look at your schedule and think realistically, when can you actually do it? Pick a time that you can stick to because consistency beats going all out. It's better to consistently try to get time where we stop and pause instead of taking an hour out once a week or an hour or like uh, a really deep, extensive hike once a month or going away on a retreat a couple times a year, going to camps. It's better for us to be consistently giving God a small slice of our daily life than to be setting these gigantic, mountainous experiences as the goal. And then lastly, pick up when you realize that you've dropped off. Because all of us will drop off. Trying to do something new, trying to have these moments where we pause and we spend time with God. It is difficult and I fail at it. You will fail at it. And a lot of times for me, when I try to do a new habit like this and then I realize like, oh, it's been three days since I did that. A lot of times I just want to throw in the towel and not pick it up again. But the best thing you can do is just Go back to it. Get back to figuring out a time. Set a little bit of time aside and just keep working at it because consistency is what is going to build to success in this area much more than trying to be perfect at it. It would be much, much better instead of perfection to just look for persistence at it. Just keep getting at it. The band's going to come up there has been a couple of songs uh, where we're just digging into our relationship with God, giving him our lives, asking him to speak into our lives. And I just want you to remember during this time that he deeply cares about you, that Jesus came to live an earthly existence in a fleshly human body, having to deal with all of the terrible things that come with that. He had to go through... He had to go through puberty. He had to go through being rejected by people. He had to go through the small hunger pains of life. I'm sure he stubbed his toe. He had to be cold. He had to be hot. He was pushed out of his community. He was beaten. And he was put to death on our behalf because he wanted you to be able to be connected to him. And so during these songs, remember that Jesus really wants you to know him. And what he's looking for isn't perfection. he came and he paid for your imperfection. And he makes possible for us to live a new kind of life in relationship with him, doing life the way that he's designed it to be lived. But if you're sitting here feeling like you're not good enough for him, or like he's disappointed in you, you should know that he knew all of your imperfections before he gave his life for you. And he is calling you, to walk in relationship with him during these last two songs uh, i do want to highlight we have our prayer wall back there we love getting to pray for what's going on in your life whether it's something that came up during this time something that's been going on in your life it's maybe the thing that's been distracting you from being able to pay attention tonight we would love to be praying for you and so you can absolutely head back there fill out a card stick it on the wall We have a team of students who pray over that. We have staff people who pray over that. Uh, Rosemary, who you never get to meet, who prays over the whole ministry, she prays over those. We just wanna cover you guys with prayer, take you before the Father and ask that he would be working in your life. And so I really wanna encourage you to take advantage of that on a regular basis, whether it's something going on uh, that we've talked about tonight or just something going on in your life. Uh, Jesus, we pray, Lord, that you would be the king of our life, who we listen to, who we're obedient to, who we follow. Because you've come to give us life, to lead us into what is good. Because you don't have heavy demands that require us, God, to to give up what is good. And instead you're calling us, Lord, to experience what you have said will lead to what's best. And so I pray that you would work in our hearts, God, that we would be people who would want to surrender to you, surrender even our time to you. And that in that, we would realize that being connected with you is much better than anything that we're giving up on in order to have that connection. So we pray, God, that you would work in our lives, that you would help us to open up time in our schedule to stop and to pause and to be with you, in Jesus' name, amen.